Can we uh, turn back to Luke's Gospel, chapter 22, and uh, the Lucan account of uh, the, the institution of the Lord's Supper? And uh, when I was reading this, uh, I was reminded. I was reminded of uh, Rudyard Kipling and his uh, great poem, If, uh, which begins, If you keep your head when all about you are losing theirs and blaming it on you. And in this account, that seems to be very much what's happening, is that Jesus, uh, in a much broader sense, obviously, is uh, absolutely keeping his head in the most trying and difficult and problematic uh, situation. And I think uh, what, what marks uh, Jesus here, and this is what I want to focus on just for a few minutes, uh, and then compare him with ourselves, is uh, the tremendous certainty that he has going into this, these events. Amazing certainty in Jesus. And it's in complete uh, contradistinction to ourselves and the frailty of our human condition, which is so often um, paralyzed by a lack of certainty, by a lack of knowledge, uh, by a lack of assurance in our lives. You know, we live for the day, in a sense, uh, and, uh, well, this morning was a wonderful reminder to us and a, a, a great and significant reminder to us. Very often we forget it, don't we? We forget the future uh, that we have and that Jesus assures us. And we, we lack that certainty and that knowledge uh, in our lives. We don't know what tomorrow will bring. Uh, the James Griffiths could not possibly have imagined what was coming in the next few days with the birth of their grandchild. We, we, we don't have that certainty. We don't have that security. We, we, we don't know if our jobs will be secure, our relationships, whether we'll be healthy, whether we will have a future, whether we will have children or grandchildren or a husband or a wife or uh, whatever it might be. There's this constant sense of insecurity and uncertainty in our lives. And that is uh, where Jesus be- becomes so significant to us in our faith and also as he's revealed himself here in the story uh, shortly before his own crucifixion. And it's very important for us to consider that because uh, Jesus Christ not only shares truth with with us, but Jesus Christ is truth. And uh, he holds, uh, as we unfold this story, this certainty of truth. And so when we sing about Jesus being the rock uh, on on whom we base our lives, there's a a very real um, reason why we will do that. It's not just um, graphic... uh, Uh, illustrative terminology. It is based on this great assurance that Jesus is truth and Jesus is absolutely certain and therefore we can have absolute certainty and trust in him. And interestingly, what I hope to bring out is that the more we trust and look to Jesus, the more certain we can be of our own situation and our own character and know ourselves as good as we possibly can uh, and that gives us a certainty and, and security because in a sense it's speaking about our identity and our identity in him. So often we lack trust, don't we, in Jesus because we don't believe uh, that he knows and he is certain about everything. 
So let's for a few minutes before we celebrate the Lord's Supper. And before I hope you'll just sit at the Lord's table and, and think about these things for a moment in the, the quietness of the hour uh, about your relationship with Christ. The certainty that uh, is unfolded in this passage. And, and it's very simple and, and very clear to us. Uh, we, we see right from the beginning of this story uh, of the, uh, the Passover meal that he wants to celebrate with the disciples that he has foreknowledge. He knows what's happening. He knows who the host is going to be. He knows that the disciples have to go to the, the, the gate of the city and meet this host who will know about the supper that has to be prepared. And uh, there is this almost instant sense of knowledge that Jesus has of this future event that is going to happen, that uh, it is planned and purposed, and the disciples begin to see that that is the case, or maybe they don't. And then as we come to the uh, table itself, the Lord's Supper, as he is uh, celebrating this Passover meal with him, there is this tremendous purposed dovetailing of the Old Testament Passover meal and this new Lord's Supper that he's instituting. And it fits in very beautifully with all we've been talking about, the mission of God. And uh, Cody, this morning, we're speaking about Isaiah and Ezekiel uh, that is quoted by uh, John in Revelation, how it all blends together and it all fits together. And so we have Jesus doing that in a very powerful way where he is reminding them that this Lord's Supper that is being instituted in celebration of his death is... um, is what the Passover was shadowing and which fits in so beautifully to many of the details of the Passover. Um, the, the, the significant, the main difference, which they probably didn't grasp at that point, was that he was the lamb. He was the Passover lamb. He was the one that w- whose blood would be shed. There would be, at this Passover meal, no Passover lamb because Jesus Christ was the one who would shed his blood uh, as he was to shortly go to the cross. But this tremendous purpose and certainty of what Jesus was going to do, the leaven of Passover, speaking about uh, the self-examination and the Lord's Supper where we root out and look for uh, the sins that might separate us from our Savior each time we we participate. The the remembrance of rescue uh, in the Passover, reminding us of spiritual rescue uh, in Christ the stages we, we celebrate using uh, the, the cup that Jesus speaks about. And in the Passover, there was the four cups, and there was each of them symbolized a different part of, of the Passover and, and the work of God, the sanctification, judgment, redemption, and restoration. And they were all taken at different times in uh, the meal, and they were, they were associated with different kind of food. Uh, there was the bitterness of the bitter herbs which reminded them of their slavery and there was the honey that reminded them of their freedom and of their forgiveness and and it was a very sense-stimulating meal for them, the Passover. And Jesus also, in instituting the Lord's Supper, was instituting a sense-stimulating uh, meal, one that we participate and we taste and uh, we drink and we recall and we remember And uh, it is to speak also of all the different uh, realities that the four cups of the Passover spoke of. And we have that dovetailed beautifully 
in uh, this institution here. Uh, the hope, the redemption, and the future. Remember, we don't just look back to what Jesus has done, but we do so until he returns with that great future element that all uh, reminds us of the certainty of what Jesus was instituting here, uh, gloriously uh, outworking the shadowy truths of the Passover. But his certainty goes beyond the spiritual facts of Passover and uh, his own impending sacrifice. It it also uh, extends to his personal knowledge of the disciples beside him, doesn't it? Verse 22, he speaks about uh, the betrayal of one who is with them. And then in verse 34, he speaks about the the denial of Peter uh, that would come shortly, uh, but also prophesies and speaks of his restoration and his being held. That tremendous certainty of knowledge of those who were at the table, future knowledge, heart knowledge, God knowledge, certainty, and of course of the uh, the use of uh, the animal world in, in all of this when the cock would crow three times. He knew of that, and he spoke with certainty. It wasn't two and a half times. It wasn't five times. It wasn't just that he would crow at some point. Before the cock crows three times, you will deny. And there's that great certainty. But also within that, within that there is a couple of other sure and certain realities about our Savior Jesus Christ. One being the certainty with which he speaks of the future. In verse 18 he says that I will not drink the fruit of the vine until the kingdom of God comes. And then in verse 30 he speaks of uh, uh, the amazing uh, assignment he makes to the disciples reminding them that they may eat and drink at my table in my kingdom and sit on thrones judging the twelve tribes of Israel. It's astonishing uh, uh, assurance that uh, what he was doing uh, had a tremendous future element in which he would be resurrected and which he would be enthroned, ascended and enthroned, and he uh, was able to assign places to those who would be there with him. It's a tremendous uh, outworking of the character of Jesus and of his uh, divine nature and of his great, uh, the certainty of the truth of his being in himself. And that, uh, I think, is, uh, the, the, as it were, the icing on the cake of that certainty is his clear and loving determination to go through what he is going to go through for his people. You know, he is, he's, not, he's not unclear about what he's doing. And he took the bread, and when he had broken, he said, this is my body, which is for you. And then the cup poured out, new covenant in my blood, this is for you. And then in, in verse 30, he speaks again and says that the kingdom... Uh, Uh, that you may eat and drink uh, at my table because I assign it to you. You see, there's this great certainty that what Jesus is doing is for his people. And uh, this uh, certain preparation for the Lord's Supper um, institution uh, in the shadow of Calvary is for his people. 
has a great purpose and a great certainty and a great uh, clarity behind it. And I hope that uh, as you sit at the Lord's table this evening and as the bread and the, the wine are passed, that you will take time to meditate on that great truth of Jesus and of his, of his certainty. You know, we speak about hope and you know, you know, don't you, that the hope of the Bible is not a vain or ethereal kind of hope, uh, wishful thinking, It'd be great if when we die we go to be Jesus. Wouldn't that be lovely? Wouldn't it be great if we could live after we die? But it's what uh, Hebrews calls a sure and certain hope. And it is based on the certainty of the rock of ages, the character of Jesus Christ in whom we trust. And that you will go from here determined to set your face anew and afresh in Jesus Christ and on his salvation. That you recognize that in him there is no darkness at all. While we often stumble in the darkness in our Christian lives, that our salvation in him is certain and sure. He sees our place. He knows who we are. And he has provided for us a living hope for the future. And our death, uh, as we think of Jesus' death, our death will never be like his. He will never, uh, we will never know the forsakenness in his death uh, that he knew because we trust in him and because he will take us in his character through that great unknown for us. So the, the passage speaks before, he, remember where we are here, before he goes to the cross of this tremendous purpose and settled plan and confidence and certainty of Jesus Christ and in our uncertainty, in our lack of knowledge, and in our battles and struggles, that's a tremendous reality to be going into the presence of one uh, in prayer. Because in the same passage that we're reading, we find the great contrast with his disciples. So different from Jesus. Obviously, that's going to be the case. And his discipleship uh, revealed here is very fragile, and so often is our own discipleship. And the Lord's Supper is always meant to be a time of um, self-examination, uh, repentance, and new faith. That's what's great about the Lord's table. It's kind of like spiritual MOT that we come back and we, we look at ourselves in the mirror of Scripture. We remind ourselves of who Jesus is. And it is intended to be for us a means of coming to self-knowledge to know ourselves. You know, Jesus had this absolute knowledge of who he, who he is and who he was and uh, what he'd come to do. And in Christ, uh, the more we are in his shadow, the more that we are focused on Christ, the more we know who we are, the more certain we are about our relationship because our relationship and our identity is in Jesus Christ. So we see the disciples here in several uh, it lights, and also by what Jesus says to them in the institution itself, he uh, is giving them and giving us uh, this great uh, sacrament, which uh, he tells us to participate in and to remember him by. We are to remember him. This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. As again, what First Corinthians 11 casts back to, 
uh, in its institution also. Remember. He says, remember me. I'm giving you this. I'm giving you this uh, tactile uh, sacrament. Uh, this sacrament that uh, appeals to our senses because it helps us to remember. And because we are so prone in our day-to-day living to forget. We are so prone to weakness and complacency. And along with forgetfulness is a lack of thanksgiving in our hearts and lives. But as we, under, as we peel back our own hearts and our own souls, we begin to know who we are. And as we know who we are, it drives us to Jesus Christ and it enables us to remember him and what he has done and serve him. It also, I believe, helps us to remember others. The centrality of the cross in our lives, the remembrance that the Lord's Supper brings, keeps us from being self-absorbed, interestingly, although we self-examine. It keeps us from uh, that self-righteousness and enables us to not only remember Jesus, but remember others and uh, offer a life of sacrifice and service to Jesus Christ and to his people. Remember, he says, remember the core reality of the Lord's Supper. But as he does so, uh, we find uh, some of the disciples arguing among themselves about who is the greatest dispute arose among them as to which of them was to be regarded as as the greatest. It's kind of astonishing, isn't it, at this moment? Uh, The the tension, the the dynamic, the relationship, the spiritual tension of the moment, that they are so misunderstanding of what is happening and and the tenderness of this moment when Jesus is uh, revealing himself and explaining what is about to happen and reminding them of the seriousness of what is happening, that uh, they are arguing possibly because Judas uh, is at the right hand of Jesus. Jesus, in his longing to turn Judas from his betrayal, gives him that place of honor. And uh, they may be thinking, well, what is Judas doing there at Jesus' right hand? Surely, uh, I'm greater than Judas. We don't we'll, decency and dignity of the gospel writers doesn't tell us in this account who it is. Uh, but it's such a misunderstanding of the situation, and Christ responds most graciously and most tenderly and uh, most informatively. And uh, he says, "Look, if you want to be the greatest." You will need to be like me. You'll need to be like the youngest. You'll need to be like the servant. Uh, and there's that great paradox and the great pattern of Christian leadership. Elders, deacons take note of spiritual leadership in the church is to be a leadership of service uh, and a leadership of humility, like the youngest uh, among us. And yet... He speaks of future enthronement also for them. Tremendous uh, response from Jesus Christ uh, in their misunderstanding. Uh, They are arguing about their place. They're arguing about who is the most important. Uh, 
there was a spiritual battle ahead and Jesus was pointing to that, but they just simply didn't understand at this point that the battle uh, or what the battle was. And isn't that often the case with ourselves in our Christian lives that we are arguing about the wrong things, that we are considering uh, the matters and our energies are focused on the wrong battles, on the wrong issues, that we are not focusing on the spiritual realities of uh, an enemy defeated but not destroyed who would want to draw us away from Jesus Christ. And very often we focus on the presenting issues in our lives or the pride issues in our lives, the issues uh, about our position, our greatness in the kingdom uh, or whatever it might be. Just a misunderstanding, the fragility of the disciples so often reflecting our own fragility. And that's focused, uh, finally, uh, in the person of Peter himself, who um, makes a great declaration that he will go with Jesus both to prison and to death. So he understood something of what lay ahead. And yet, uh, in his spiritual pride, he made these rather cheap and easy promises. Yet, as he left the upper room, he forgot these promises. He forgot the bravado of his position and the fear and ignorance of his sinful heart uh, prevailed and brought him to that place where he denied knowing his Savior in the self-confidence of his own uh, understanding in the upper room. Now, we will all rise from the table this evening and uh, we will feel bold and emboldened by sitting with the Lord's people and we will worship together. We will sing and we will read his word. But as we rise from the table and tomorrow as you will have an opportunity to stand up for Christ, Don't allow the fear and ignorance and uncertainty of people's responses or our inability to say the right thing stop you from standing up for Jesus Christ. I am sure Peter went out fully intending to stand up for Jesus Christ, but fear and ignorance of the situation and of his own heart led to an overconfidence in himself so that he was afraid of saying anything for Jesus. Now you will, and I will, have opportunities to stand up and be counted for Jesus Christ tomorrow. And may it be that we learn and take from uh, the fragility of the disciples encouragement not to be like them in this uh, situation, but to so know yourself as you rise from the table, as you've thought about that, that you know your own weakness, that you know your own fragility, you know fear and pride, and you know the ease with which we focus on the wrong things and ignore uh, Jesus. How often we forget him, forget to be prepared. And in knowing that, may that bring us uh, to dependence on him and reliance on him. Because we, I finish with this, is the amazing comfort uh, that we have uh, in verse 32. 
where despite all of the disciples' ignorance and fear and misunderstanding, Jesus speaks to Peter and and, uh, reflects his passion for them all and says, But Peter, I have prayed for you that your faith may not fail. That's an ultimate prayer. Uh, It's not that he he didn't let his Savior down, but there was that that amazing comfort that uh, Jesus Christ, in the midst of the focus of what he had to do in the certainty, which must have been horrific, actually, of what lies ahead. Sometimes ignorance is bliss. But Jesus knew exactly what was lying ahead, or maybe even didn't understand to the point of asking the question on the cross, the the dreadfulness of forsakenness. But amidst all of that, he was able to say, but I have prayed for you. And Jesus is our great high priest. And it is tremendous to know that the Holy Spirit interprets our groans. And Jesus, as the risen, uh, uh, ascended Savior, is our uh, intercessor uh, and is praying for us. And maybe as, as you sit at the Lord's table, as you participate, that you rejoice in this great divine, personal, loving God who knows us in all our frailty, who understands us, who wants us to uh, find our certainty in him and our security in him and to know that he is praying for us uh, as we uh, live our lives. And as think of him as you have an opportunity to witness, to share the gospel. I don't mean in a spectacular kind of way or a, 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 a mind-blowing way, but just you will, you will have an opportunity to say this way, Jesus is your best friend. You'll have an opportunity to say why Jesus is so significant. Not that you have been to church or that you read your Bible, but that you're a sinner saved by grace. However, you would explain that to someone who doesn't know anything about the gospel. But please, as we live our lives, recognize that this great Redeemer is our interceder and knows about the situations you will find yourself in and knows about the people that you're praying for. Can I reiterate again, I say this often, uh, uh, probably to your boredom, but you may be the only people that are ever praying for some of your friends. No one else may be praying for them. Their names may never be being brought before the King of Kings. And you're in that great privileged position where God wants you to be, uh, where you witness and uh, serve uh, the Lord Jesus Christ. So may we find our peace and our identity and our hope and our salvation and our future firmly grounded in Jesus and may we, the more we know him, the more certain our lives will become. And, and in the ins- uncertainty of your faith, when was it you last dealt with Jesus Christ? When was it you last opened up your heart and soul and allowed him, his cleansing work? And because that's where the certainty will come from. And may it be that you remember and know restoration uh, this evening. Amen.